Mason, welcome back to Anime Attic, where we go into your attic and blow the dust off of old and forgotten anime. In this particular section, this is part of my series that I'm going to call Manime, which is anime that's primarily for men. This is very manly, very men-oriented. Uh, and with me today to share her unerring views on the subject is... Hey guys, I'm Raven, and, and I would definitely agree that this is an anime that is catering to men. Weak women and all of that included. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll certainly get into it. What are we talking about? We are talking about Blood Rain, Curse of the Undead Yoma. It is a shonen anime, totally up the wazoo. It is based on a shonen manga of the same name uh, by the writer-artist Kei Kusunoki, which is actually just a pen name for Mayumi Ohashi, and she's this glorious anime artist. Who... I love it when female manga artists do really, really manly anime. I was I was shocked. I couldn't believe that it was written by a woman. It's awesome. I was just, I thought for sure it was a guy, but it wasn't. It was a girl. But let me tell you, she nailed it. <laughs> women as objects, women as beauty, weak, uh, the men have to save the day. It's, it's all there. Granted, there was like two female characters in the entire thing that weren't monsters. Right, who who were both beautiful and weak-willed, and well, one of them was strong-willed. I was, I was gonna say the the ninja girl was strong-willed until she later became weak-willed, but right. that's something to talk about. Yeah, later. Well, 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 and then there are actually reflections of the same person. Da da da. It it, it goes on anyway. Spoiler. Yeah. Oh so well, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> So yeah, the manga came out in 1985 to 1986. It was serialized and then collected into basically a one volume. And then it was picked up as an OVA uh, for two episodes, and that was May 1st, uh, 1989 and June 1st, 1989. And then they collected them together and kind of released them as basically a a movie, an 80-minute movie. So that's pretty much it. One thing that I was kind of a little shocked to find out was that it was panned by critics in general. They kind of commented on the characterization of women and also the static imagery they didn't feel that it really gave a lot of action but i actually thought it really lent itself to that it's a very pensive piece quiet and you know kind of reflective that's kind of the whole thing is about reflecting I can see where they're coming from, though, with the oh, yeah, I bet being, with panning it, not just for the women, but also I see what they mean with the pensive style not really working in an action anime, where Vampire Princess Miu kind of was able to achieve it because it was female-centric and it was very much more mystical. This one definitely tried to be an action-based anime, but with this kind of mystical pensive side that it didn't quite get there. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a bold attempt. But 
what I was really jazzed about was that it was directed by Takashi Ano. He's this really well-known anime director, and he did all this other stuff. But he actually also directed another series that I really want to talk about, the OVA series of the Hakenden, the Eight Dog Warriors. And he directed episodes one through six of that. And it's very clear that seven and eight were done by different directors because the art style completely changes. And it's really interesting. But I love one to six. And so... It was very gratifying for me to be like, man, I love Blood Blood Rain, Curse of the Undead Yoma, and also Hakenden 1 to 6. Oh, it's the same guy. That really jazzed me out. Anyway, we should definitely talk about what it's actually about. Yes. So we start off with these two best friends on this aftermath of a battlefield, and you're really not supposed to really know what's going on too much. The cold open. It opens straight up on the battlefield. It's feudal Japan. There's crows in the trees, and it's a battlefield. The earth is soaked in blood. Yeah, and we have these two friends. Once best friends, now well, bitter enemies. They, they're still best friends in this opening scene, I would definitely say. Right, but I'm, I'm just, I'm playing the trope. Oh, I understand. Like, yeah. I see where you're going. Okay. You're picking up what I'm putting down. I am picking up what you're putting down. Okay. I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> and it was Mikage, or Hikage. Hikage. Hikage and Maro. Maro! Maro! Um... And we definitely get a little bit of the time, well-worn trope of them calling each other's names. You get the, Maro Hikage. Yeah. Maro Hikage. Well, Hikage is... is Hakage is the, the main character, and he's this very ruggedly handsome ninja. I wouldn't say he's ruggedly handsome. Well, for the time, one one thing I really like. It's, this... it's definitely an animation style yeah. um, of the time. Yeah, I was the anime came out in 89, and even by that standard, it's a little dated. I, I think it was a definite directorial choice to kind of go old school with it. And by that standard, Hikage is a, a stunning, rugged man. Fair enough. So it opens on this battlefield where... They're both seeing the aftermath of this battle, and you see a bunch of people looting bodies, and Mato is on his knees, hands in the earth. Yeah, he throws up. Yeah. He, this got a bad rap for its um, overall presentation or whatever, but I find gems of excellent directing in there. And one of the things that I really liked was Mato, who's human at this point, drops to his knees Spoiler. and vomits. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he drops to his knees and vomits based on the carnage around him. And I thought, what a human move. Good job. In all these movies, you always see these totally manly men and they're unaffected by the war and the carnage around them. And they're just like, whatever, this is this is the price. Hikage is not affected by the war around him. No. He's obviously a manlier man than Mato. Yeah. As seen by his short hair versus Mato's super, super long samurai <laughs> that, style that's hair. That's true. That's true. The very feminine Mato hair. Yeah. You're right. And I think the series, I use the term series loosely, there's two episodes. I think they make a point to try and boost up Hikage into the nameless kind of manly, heroic Stoic, the stoic, heroic, uh, you know, man with no name kind of. He's he's our manly stoic hero. Right. He's, he's he's our tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah, and he's unmoved, you know, he, and they do everything they can to kind of up his heroicness and his, he, he's so cool, he's so awesome, no one can touch him, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that starts here where Maro is breaking down and he is concerned about Maro. But, but he's not concerned about, about the rest of the no, carnage. No, the rest of the world is, you know, they're oysters. Absolutely. So we then move on, and Mato runs off, and Hikage follows him but loses him. And then we come to this point later where Hikage is searching for Mato and is being attacked by these ninjas. Yes. Basically, Mato runs off 
because he can't take the battle anymore. Hikage tries to stop him, but he fails because Maro throws a, a shuriken at him, which strikes Hikage in the eye. And then Maro escapes. Later that night, the head of their ninja clan is assassinated by these demons. The reason it's called curse of the undead yoma is yoma is a word for ghost or also demon it's often used in anime as kind of a more spiritual type demon much more in the shinto type spirit but also not just a ghost but a ghost-based demon we were discussing earlier the difference between oni the difference between yoma and the difference between yokai where you find oni used much more as kind of a more nature-based demon where they come from the trees you know they're the trolls the yeah i've always seen them i've always seen them represented as like horns and trolls right they're they're much more that style demon where yoma tend to be more ghost-based where they're these spirits that take on physical form and are demons you see them more in animes like vampire princess miyu or this one well, you, you older... mean the Vampire Princess Mew, the TV series. Correct. Yeah. Which it... we should talk about at, at another point. Correct. Yeah. And whereas you see yokai as more of what you think of as not necessarily from hell, but another species that is demonic in nature. Right. Not, and... not to overuse the word demon. No. I, I mean, it's it's very clear that they're they're closely related. So Right. You know. Anyway, but basically the concept of this uh, series is that all the hatred and, and fear and despair of this war-torn era, which uh, Japan had a very long period of feudal warfare where Nob- Nobung- Oda Nobunga was uh, running around killing everyone and trying to basically be the ultimate warlord. And uh, this, this anime series is saying that all the negative energy that was floating around gave rise, like gave birth back to the Yoma. The Yoma started rising from their nether world and struggling to take over the real world. So a Yoma shows up and assassinates Hikage's clan leader, which has one of my favorite lines of the entire thing, where the guy gets his throat slashed and he's kneeling in his room and he's like, oh, my entire life is an illusion. And then he dies. Wow, that's a man. That's that's really deep. Yeah, for your last words. I, I liked it, and then also, of course, it, it caters to the the manime within me. So you know, I was um, the, the manime within you. Oh yes. Oh, you know the, the <laughs> forbidden anime, the manime. Oh boy. Anyway, so the second in command finds Hikage and he says, all right, our master's dead. As per his wishes, no one can know about it for three years because otherwise we'll lose the war. Maru knows about it. He'll tell people, you have to track him down and kill him and don't show any mercy. And there's a kind of a sub-theme throughout this entire series that if you're a ninja, you have no free will. You die when you're told to die. You fight when you're told to fight. You follow orders your entire way. I mean, that is that is very much uh, not necessarily just a ninja thing, but you see that in a lot of the feudal anime and the feudal mindset of you are ruled by your overlord and you are a pawn no matter what rank you are right and so whatever your overlord needs you for whether it is to die whether it is to live battle be on the front lines whatever that is what you do and it is the honor of the clan that comes before even your own life yeah and this is reflected in books of the time like the five rings and uh, the, the code of bushido where it's basically don't fear death death is nothing fear dishonor yeah honor is the greater glory which like, is actually something that is very much been ingrained in Japanese culture, even up through World War II, 
where you had all these kamikazes because right. they feared dishonor and they were being told by their emperor or their ruling body at the time. Oh, it was the emperor. Okay. He was like, um, you will die for my glory. But I exactly. mean, it's worth noting that they also just totally coked him up on opium. Fair. But yeah, it was very much this thing that's been ingrained in Japanese culture for a long time of death before dishonor. Right. No, definitely. And so this is kind of a meditation on that on a microcosm level. On a two episode level? Yeah, on a two two episode level where there is this constant theme of the ninjas are just tools. They have no free will of their own. Which Which, which Hikage breaks when later later in the season, aka in episode two. Spoiler. Anyway. (laughs) But um, so they send him off to find Maru. And, and while he's there, he flashes back to their, their boyhood days of which, running through which this field. It's the same image or the same like two second clip of them just racing through this field every yeah. time they try and like flash back to what the good times of their childhood were. Exactly. And I'm just like, really? That's, that, that was the good time of your childhood? That was it. Running, just running through the field with I your have, best friend? I have a theory that it was a poppy field. That's my only theory. What, why? What, what? Because... How is running through a field going to be your greatest memory? But if it's a poppy field, then you're getting high while you're running through it. <laughs> and so it's, it's these two young boys who clearly have... They're competitive. No, I wasn't going to say competitive. I would say that they have a deep bond Yeah, of but some I would sort. also say that especially being raised in that kind of a culture, oh, you're absolutely. going to be competitive. Yeah, and the fact no. that they're racing versus hanging out or playing... Right. Well, they're training. Exactly. They're, they're training together and, you know, becoming, you know, closer than brothers, dot, dot, dot. That whole thing. Yeah. So So he flashes back and it's this wonderful time and uh, it's very funny. I love the flute music that comes in. gorgeous in this series it's very reminiscent the minute i started watching this i was just getting flashbacks to the music of vampire princess miyu you mean the tv series i, I always mean the tv okay. series because i always mean the ova series I but we could talk We'll, we'll rectify this at one point but you're you're right the the sound cues are very similar one thing that i really really like is that the music is very minimal i refer to this when i talk about it with my friends as a quiet anime there's not a lot of you know, booming music or a lot of loud action sequences. I mean, there are some action sequences, but everything's very quiet, in my mind, very realistic. And then things are punctuated by these little sound cues, really, which you're right. Miyu does that, too. Well, not only that, but the style of the music as well, where mm-hmm. it's very much feudal. traditional Japanese music, mm-hmm. very feudal style with the reeds and the yeah. flutes and all of that stuff. And the, the shimasen. Yeah, Correct. yeah, totally. No, I love it. I love it. And it, it takes you right there. You're, mm-hmm. you're in that time period, and, and I love it. Anyway. Do I get to talk about the waterfall? Yes, but I'm because I'm going to talk about the fight real quick. So okay. he comes out of the flashback, and again, I got to give it to the director, man, because he really paced it out, and the writer too, of course, but... Anytime he has a flashback, you are unaware of how much time has passed. So when you come out of it, things are usually drastically different. And I really admired that because it was a wonderful way of moving the story along by huge chunks of time. So he goes and then he flashes back. And when he comes out, he's like, I've been surrounded. And I was like, whoa, that's 
that's sudden and awesome. And then he has this great fight. And the animation, yes, it's static and slow in parts because it was very clear that they're saving money. It's also a stylistic choice because it's a very pensive anime. But then when they have to get into it, you know, when there's a lot of action, they really put a lot of effort into that, into these little bits of high action thing. And I really, I, I think it works well. I know it got panned for that, but I, I think it looks good and the action parts uh, are animated very well the fights are really really interesting so he takes on these two ninjas he kills one and then the other guy kind of gets into it and they have this one-on-one fight and i was i was reminded basically of the born supremacy where you know they get close and they're wrestling with each other and they you know, they, they lose their weapons and they have to go hand to hand and they go hand to hand and like and basically hikage kills the other guy but just by a hair what a great fight sequence anyway then he continues and then and then we end up at the top of this waterfall and we see this priest come up behind him and the priestess says, I'm here to give you your last rites. And it kind of ends ominously where you're like, is the priest going to attack him now and, and is going to give him his last rites because he's going to kill him? Yeah, it's such a creepy line. It's, and I it's love such it. a great creepy line. And then goes on to explain that this is a big suicide point. People come and they jump off the waterfall because they want to die. And yeah. that's why he assumed this guy was here. Yeah, apparently the war-torn land has ravaged so many people's lives that they have lost hope or, or are ultimately depressed because of stuff that's happened to them in general. And they come to this waterfall to hurl themselves off to die, which I guess is a, is a thing. Yes. I don't know. I never heard of it. So the priest directs him to this village that he then ends up in where he walks in and before he gets there, on his way, he, he hears this beautiful singing. Yes. And he approaches this girl, Aya, who then leads him the rest of the way to the village. Yeah, barely. She's pretty. She's half-scarred. Her face is half-scarred. And she's the most weak-willed character in the series. That's unfortunately true, and I can't fault you there. However, I do want to give a shout-out to the voice acting. The voice acting is by Hiromi Suru. And she's actually, it turns out, super famous. She well, was in Dragon. There was a kind of all-star cast on this. Yeah, uh, I'll get into that one second. But yeah, she was on Dragon Ball. She was on Dragon Ball Z. She was in Kimiko Orange Road. She was Madoka. She was Rano wait Madoka and Madoka Magica. No, Madoka and Kimiko Orange Road, who is one of the main female gotcha. leads. Gotcha. Uh, Rama One Half, Trigun, Love Hina, Macross. Her list goes on and on and on. Oh, she. She is really awesome. Yes, this anime had an all-star voice cast. Hikage is played by Kenyu Horiuchi, who people may know him from Cowboy Bebop, Fist of the North Star, Gwyn Saga, Nadia Secret of Blue Water, you know, Techman Blade, Yu Yu Hakusho. And then Maro, the villain, is played by Kenato Shiozawa, who I found out was actually Larva in the Vampire Princess Mew OVA, which I was super jazzed about. But he was also in Fist of the North Star, Nadia's Secret of Blue Water, Dragon Ball, and Transformers. And then there's another Aya that shows up that we'll, we'll get to talk Spoiler. about. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll talk about her when we get there, I guess. But my point is, wonderful voice acting. Fantastic. Absolutely. You know, I had no faults about it. Particularly if I can shout out Kenyu Horiyuchi, he did this wonderful job of being very pensive and very stoic and very, like, you know, macho man, and yet also totally emotional at the appropriate times. And he's very cold and hard and also very warm and soft. And I was very impressed with him. And his voice is just beautiful, if I can get down to it, man. Like, let me just talk to you about it. But real quick about the song that he hears. That song is Yomo Koze Uta, or Ghost Counting Song. And it was written by... Mami Nakizoto. I assume sung by Hiromi Suru 
because it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song, and they use it in the trailer, and they use it in the show, and we opened our show with it. It's appropriately morbid. Very morbid. Very uh, morbid. But, actually, I, but I dig it. a lot of nursery rhymes are. That's true. If you think ring, about Ring them. around the posy. Right? Ring around the rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Yeah, which is, it's about the Black Death. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving back onto this anime. Yes, sorry. Uh, please continue. So they so, end up in this village, yeah, and he, everybody's drinking. Well, you, everybody's you forgot partying. the part where he sees Aya singing, and then he falls in love with her instantly. Yeah. Very beautiful. She's beautiful. Although I, I don't know if I don't know if we're gonna call it falls in love with, but, uh, but definitely has a connection with. Yeah, I would say infatuated at All the right, very least. Fair enough. But he's too macho. He can't express his emotions. Of course not. And, and <laughs> she's a weak-willed female. What, what she, good but, is she? Well, but she's very beautiful, and she's obviously a damsel in distress. So this is where the manime part, the, he's the rugged, handsome outsider who's coming into the closed society to change things and also shake things up and presumably save the woman. Right. So anyway, they come into this village. People are partying. He sees... Uh, Maro. Maro. But when he inquires the villagers, everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's totally not a guy like that. Yeah, and one thing I really liked was they gently but very firmly are like, oh, you're here. You should drink. You should party. And then he's like, no, no, I want to go do this. Other no, no, no. You want to drink and party. And they force him to get drunk on sake, which I, I thought was interesting. Yeah, I w- almost was waiting for the other shoe to drop with that and have the sake be poisoned or right. something else. They definitely left a lot of those moments where you're like, oh, something bad's going to happen. And then it doesn't, which is great because it gives you those moments where something bad does happen. It makes them a lot more poignant. Right. They really nailed the creepy atmosphere. The tension is mounting. And, and they... all of the freaking spider webs Love it. in this town. Love it. I hated this episode because I don't like spiders. Oh, and the okay. big bad was a bunch of spiders. Spiders, yeah, that's big true. Big spiders that that's tear true. themselves out of human hosts and yeah. are disgusting and creepy and <laughs> all of those things. It's the... like Lord of the Rings all over again. Oh, man, that's true. She-Love is definitely in this anime. I really liked how you would get visual hints of what was going on because they would show the spider web as Hikage entered buildings and stuff. And then spiders were always kind of watching him from the corners and stuff. So you knew that stuff was happening. I actually like this storyline so much about coming to this weird village and trying to find this person that I wrote and ran a Dungeons and Dragons game based on this for my friends, which was awesome. And and nobody, nobody knew where I got the inspiration from, but they were all like, man, this adventure is great. And I was like, I know. Because it's, it's all there. You have the hero coming to the isolated town with the possible love interest. And then the creepy stuff that's going on. The evil priest. The evil priestess. Because there's another Spoiler. woman named Ito who shows up. Well, we're, we're, we're combining. Uh, <laughs> the evil. Yeah, there's another woman named Ito who shows up. And she, her sound cue is the Shimasen, which I loved. But you can tell something's up with her because her face is white. White in Japanese culture is the color of death. So she's white skin, red eyes. Correct, which is often, while we would think albino, in Japanese culture that generally means they're either dead or a demon or something along those lines. But it's interesting to me that in the context of the anime, nobody notices. No, of course not. Although, maybe you can answer me this. Every time I see a demon in an anime, or maybe not every time, but a lot of times, they have a head hanging from their mouth. Is there a reason for that? Not that I'm aware of, although it is, it's more popular in feudal anime. 
You'll see that a lot in like Inuyasha or this or Vampire Princess Mew, even though it takes place in modern times, Mm -hmm. it is definitely more of a feudal style. That is a common trend. I don't know where it comes from, but I've seen it a lot. Definitely shows up. That's one of the things where they're like, oh, my demon form is being seen and I just happen to have a human head hanging from my mouth. I don't know why, but that's it. I just thought that was really interesting because the the Yoma that kills the clan leader, he has a, a apparently random human head already hanging from his mouth. And then as we get to the big climax, you'll see that there's other human heads involved. Anyway, so, yes, um, please continue. So not to give everything away <laughs> okay. and to make a long story you should fairly see it. short. Definitely watch it. And okay. we don't want to go into all the plot points all to right. give it away. All right, fair enough. But he ends up battling these spider demons who were the priest and this woman who are protecting this egg-like structure that he breaks into and lo and behold finds... Maro. Holding or eating, I guess, a human head. Because (laughs) Because Maro's a demon. Yes. And that's that's the reveal is that Maro was always a demon and had grown up as a human with them and had discovered his demon side in the aftermath of that battle. Yeah, when when his hands were soaked in the blood, the demon side of him started waking up, so he ran away to avoid killing his friend, basically. Correct. Mato takes the entire building down on Hikage and disappears. So Hikage has this Wolverine claw glove, which is pretty awesome. Okay, and he goes up to this big egg thing and has this little shuriken... And these wolverine claws, which can't be more than four inches long. And but, this is what he uses to penetrate the egg. Yeah. And not the samurai sword, which he left in the last room. I mean, that's just how he is. Because but, if you're going to attack a demon egg, why why not split it open when you can just kill it with fire or I a mean, samurai sword? Fair enough, but he had just come from defeating the two spider things. And again, the fighting is really realistic. If you get wounded, you're typically out of the fight. So even if you're a giant spider demon... He basically punches it in the mouth with his Wolverine claw, and then that thing's down. Yeah, through the roof of the mouth and into the brain. Yeah, that's his, like, M.O. He gets the demon to open its mouth, and then he jabs it. Which, when they had those close-up shots of the inside of the spider's mouths, I was not okay with that. Oh, yeah. I was very not okay with that. To be fair, they're not spider mouths at that point. They're demon mouths. Not okay. Yeah, sorry. I did not take your reactions into consideration. That's but anyway, fine. But I appreciate That's you fine. watching it anyway. It's okay. The second episode was better. We'll get into that in one second. I do want to say also that one of the things that I really do like about the Wolverine claw, he sharpens the claws anytime he gets like meditative. And that is almost a direct link, in my mind, to Conan the Barbarian. It's very reminiscent of the scene. So he'll be preparing to go fight and people will be talking to him like, Hikage, are you sure this is what you want to do? And he doesn't respond. He just sharpens the claw blade. And that's very reminiscent of the Conan the Barbarian scene where they're preparing to go fight Thulsa Doom and Sumatai the archer is like, you know, we only get the girl, leave Thulsa Doom for another day because Conan wants to kill Thulsa Doom. And so, you know, it's this big moment where Conan stops sharpening his sword and thinks about it and then he just starts sharpening his sword again. So it's a very iconic scene and I felt that this was very reminiscent of that. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. All right, so we're moving on to Moving on to the second episode. Well, no, no, real quick. After he murders the priest, the spider demon priest. The spider demon priest says, hey, by the way, I used magic to wipe the memories of everybody in this village. Oh, right. And if you kill me, they're going to become suicidal again, so you better not kill me. But Hikage is just like, F you, you're keeping me from Maro, kills him, and as a result, everyone in the village dies, including Aya. Whose body he finds in the lake. Yeah, she goes and drowns herself because she looks at her reflection and is like, oh, I'm, I'm hideous and whatever, and just kills herself, which I was very disappointed with. 
Aya is a very weak character. As are all of the women in this series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the second... There's two non-demon women, and both of them end up very weak-willed. Well, in the beginning, the ninja girl is pretty strong. No, in the beginning, I was really excited about her. Yeah, And yeah. then she ended up... No, Manime. Manime. Yeah, Manime. totally. Yeah, that's how it is. So Hikage fights Maru. Maru gets away. Hikage goes back. Aya is dead. He's super broken up because he never got to confess his feelings about her. Then the second-in-command of the... Takeda clan shows up and is like, everyone knows that our master is dead, so you don't have to pursue Maro anymore. But Hikage, in true macho man style... Well, it's also his best friend from childhood. He's, of course, going to go after him. And he killed Aya. Or as a result of his actions, Aya is dead. Even though it was a result of Hikage's actions, dot, dot, dot. Anyway. Whatever. So he just walks up. Nobody cares about Aya except for Hikage. I care. But this is the point. He breaks the rules. He defies an order. They order him to not go after Maru anymore, and he leaves, and he goes after him. And so this is the start where he's like, I'm not exactly a normal ninja anymore. I want to go and do my own thing. Right. And, and then we... We jump. We jump. We jump. It is now how many? Two years. Two years Episode later. Episode two takes place two years later. The implication is that... He they... has been searching for Maru this entire time, and as such has learned the ways of the Yoma. Exactly. That he actually, the narrator says he actually has had no trace of Maru, but the very strong implication to me is that he knows about the Yoma a lot more now because he's on this beach. It opens with him on this beach and he's just waiting and waiting and it turns out he's waiting for the Sea Lord, the Sea Lord Yoma to show up. Who is my favorite Yoma of the entire series. Also mine. Because this horse is so stinking pretty yeah i wanted it to have a unicorn horn to stab people with because it was so pretty and it would have been so perfect to have that to ram through people i totally agree with you so the sea lord yoma when it shows up the sea parts kind of and and a horse shows up it's this beautiful white stallion horse very muscular and it's got red eyes and it's white And I I was so amused because all of everybody but Hikage is like, oh, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. It's not real. No, they all thought it was real. And then he was like, no, it's an illusion. Was that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all, what's this horse doing here? And he's like, don't approach it. It's an illusion. Oh. And so, because he knows it's actually a, a demon or whatever, because the horse shows up and you see its mouth and it's full of fangs and then it kills a guy who's in the ocean which we'll talk about in one second tramples him to death yeah tramples him to death and then just approaches just casually meanders onto the beach and starts licking the blood of these other dead bodies and I was like great Great job, director or artist. That's a wonderful motif. I really dug it. Because you want to like the horse because the horse is very pretty, but it's also, it's doing these things that are just basically I like, still I like am the dangerous. Horse. It, is, it can kill all the people it wants. I love that horse. That horse was really awesome. Well, the horse comes back. But I'm anyway. Aware. So the drama that was going on before this horse showed up is that He's waiting for drama, this. Drama, drama. He's waiting for the Sea Lord and this female ninja who they call Rogue. And I got really excited because I'm like, oh my god, is she gonna have the same name as one of my favorite X Men? Yeah, I'm no. sorry, I had no. to. Uh, it's actually a Rogue Ninja. She reference. was a Rogue Ninja, yeah. and and that made me really sad. But she is being accused of killing their clan leader, which never gets resolved. But no, they never discuss it ever again. She's being chased by. <laughs> she's being attacked by ninjas of her own clan, and they're like, why did you kill our leader? And she's like, I didn't. And never, uh, never explained. Hikage defends her uh, by by necessity. He's actually willing to let them kind of do their thing, but they're like, What are you looking at? So he looks away, 
And they're like, you want to fight? And um, and so they attack him. And then he has no choice but to defend himself. And as a result, to- Defend to, her. Yeah. And to just kind of hype his own macho awesomeness. Of course. He defeats he's them. He's I have to say, when you first see him, they kind of cue him with this. Uh, the Shimasen is not really a, a macho instrument, but as macho as you can get with the Shimasen, that's that's his sound cue when they show they, <laughs> when they show him, and it's just kind of this almost Clint Eastwood. So we get this horse that comes out, this glorious sea lord. Well, after they kill the three ninjas. Right, after they've killed the three ninjas. And it's worth noting here that the girl ninja that he has to defend or whatever. She's actually in love with the guy who's chasing her. He's like, I have to kill you because you assassinated our clan leader. It's my duty to kill you. And she's like, no, I didn't do it, please. And she's actually in love with him, which I thought was interesting. And so she accidentally wounds him with one of her hooks and like tears out his eye or whatever. And she's like, no, I'm really sorry. And that's when Hikage is like, nope, it's too late. He's in the ocean. Sorry. And then the, sh- the horse shows up. Gotcha. So he wanders into the sea his name is Shirayuki or something. And then the lightning strikes and the sea parts and the horse is there, but the guy is blind and he can't see it. And he's like swapping with his sword or whatever. And then the horse just runs forward, tramples him down like it's over. And the girl is like, no. And he's like, it's too late. Then the horse comes and licks the blood and he addresses Hikage. I'm the Lord of the Sea, Yoma. Are you the one that's been hunting down my brothers and killing them one by one? So that's that's the only indication we get of what Hikage has been up to over the last two years. And Hikage is basically like, yeah, I came here to ask you a question. Do you know a person named Maro? And he's like, ha, 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 person, ha, ha, ha. You know where Maro is. Come on, man. You know he's actually the lord of the earth. In the Yoma mythology, there's a, a Yoma king of the sea and a Yoma king of the land. And then they're supposed to unite. And when they unite, then they, all the Yoma will rise up and, and they'll win. So he's saying that Maro is the Yoma king of the land. Hikage is like, no, you're lying. And so he actually attacks him. And then they get into a big fight. Right. They have a big fight and mad props to the director for a, a, a horse just beating the snot out of a guy. I was. It's so interesting that the horse just like beats up Hikage, this fully trained warrior. But they get into the ocean and then the, the horse is like, no problem, I'll take you out. So they go into the ocean and they're fighting. But once again... Hikage like wedges his arm into the horse's mouth. The horse bites his shoulder, but it's enough of an opening that he wolverine claws him in the mouth. And then that's it. This wolverine claw is the best weapon you could possibly have to fight demons. Because if you could just get it to punch it in the mouth, they go down. That's it. So he does. He murders him that way. He, again, very, very quick, very brief. That's what I like about uh, these fights, that they're kind of realistic. So then he comes out and he's wounded. And the girl is crying on the beach. And he's like, oh, just like a woman, always crying. A very Maname moment. And she's like, I'm not just a woman, I'm also a ninja. And he's like, whatever. And then they they walk off, and she has nowhere else to go, so she starts following him. And they end up in this village. Yeah. Where everybody is dead, for the most part, but they hear this baby crying. Yes. And uh, the female ninja, who we now know is Aya. Yeah, she reveals that her name is Aya. She reveals that her name is Aya. And so he's Um, like, Aya? Yes. So she opens the door and approaches the mother who is just kind of sitting there and being creepy. Right. She goes to the house to see if they'll let them stay. She's like, right. hey, we're travelers. Can we stay here? And she's like, oh, yeah. And then she's got this crying infant. And, and Aya approaches and then runs out of the house 
and is like the baby's face, the baby's face, yeah, and the head, yeah, or yes, the baby's head. The implication is that the baby has no head, right? And the woman turns out to be a yoma and attacks them. No, just an undead spirit, and they it starts the whole village like becomes undead and they do a procession of the dead which is a a Japanese thing I guess you like you process to the afterlife together correct which I thought was pretty cool the walking dead dot 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 anyway after that happens they go to bed curl up in in one of the abandoned huts and go to sleep and then they have this brief moment which I really like they're initially asleep they're sleeping on opposite sides of the room and then Aya wakes up and she looks around and then she goes and sits by Hikage and goes back to sleep, which I got like that little moment. In the morning, Hikage has left. He's he's already gone on without her, and she's like, "Oh, I can't believe he didn't wake me up." And so she's chasing after him, trying to follow him. This is where oh, I think it goes kind of off the rails. Before this, I was like, "Oh, the mood is so good, and the drama's so good, and the dialogue's pretty decent, and the voice acting's so good." This is the point where I feel it kind of goes off. Like the mood tends to shift into a much more kind of formulaic traditional here's the evil guy sitting in his lair Maro who is receiving reports of Hikage defeating the horse guy and he has his little minions this giant snake and he's like go eliminate Hikage and then the snake is like okay I'll do it thanks so he goes and then they fight Hikage obviously wins and then you know Maru sends another person after him it kind of gets it goes into this more much more formulaic thing and I thought it lost kind of its originality at this point and I was a little disappointed. I, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Sh- shrug. I, I I don't I don't really feel like that was an issue because they did need to establish that Mato was a in charge of all these yoma and b sure. um they needed to throw some more fights at Hikage. Yeah, but this is my thing. At this after this point, the fights don't affect him anymore. When he fights the snake, he's attacked by this giant moth lady, but no problem. He just takes her out like one two, no sweat. Then he's attacked by a tree. No, I'm sorry. Then Aya meets the ghost of a dead girl who was Maru's lover when she was alive, but he killed her because he was turning into a, a demon. But her spirit loves him so much that she has lingered uh, in the afterlife. And her heart has literally been cut in two, which I thought was a cool touch. Anyway, they get caught by this Yoma tree, which I have to say was really lame because you're a Yoma tree. All you can do is sit there with your branches. That's it. If- I mean, it had them in its branches and was going to crush them. Right. But if they had not taken that road, he would have been can't do anything. Anyway, all- Hikage just throws a little grenade at it and it bursts into flame and the tree's like, ah, oh, that's it. <laughs> I actually really enjoy the grenades that he makes because he makes them in these like little bottles and has powder and everything else and it's it's another yeah. one of those moments where he's meditatively preparing his right. tools sure. for the upcoming battle that he sees. Yeah, fair enough. I no, I like that aspect of it. Um, but my point is nothing can stop him, you know? He, anytime he gets into trouble, he's just he's got it covered. The the moth lady after he kills her the first time, she changes form and comes at him again and you're like, "Oh man, I guess he's going to get it this time." And he spits a dart out of his mouth. Like, "Where did that come from?" And he takes her out, no problem. I will say this, when the snake is about to kill him and it looks like Hikage is overwhelmed, he, he can't do it, the ghost of the woman saves him. She goes and possesses the snake because she sees that Aya is in love with Hikage. 
Wow, yeah. that was quickly. Oh, that's the other thing is Aya number two, her emotions are just she was in love with her dude who was trying to kill her, but then he's dead and now she's in love with Hikage and it was literally less than 48 hours. Yeah, and then I will say this too. The more in love with Hikage that she becomes, the weaker she becomes. Feudal Japan, love makes women weak. Oh, man. That's sad. I don't don't agree with that. I think think love either. I think love makes everyone strong. But at one point, he's literally going to go off and finally face Maro. And she, in a very manime moment, runs out to him and is like, please don't leave me. Like, I can't live without you. And he's like, I'm, I'm going, baby, you know. I actually don't think he says anything. He's just like, whatever. But then she's like, if you're going to leave, kill me because I can't live without you. Which, on one hand, very dramatic awesome imagery i dig it but on the other come on come show on. some spine woman yeah you know the ghost had more spine than you do exactly which Man. is sad because she was so spunky at the very beginning when we meet her she was she was super super spunky oh and i i don't think i got a chance to mention it but her voice actress is also insanely popular the voice actress for aya number two is mina tominaga Uh, Her real name is actually Yoshiko Matsumoto, but she is insanely famous. She did Ryori Kenshin, Pat Labor, Hunter by Hunter, Fruits Basket, DNA 2. She's also done the Japanese dubbing for Chippendale Rescue Rangers. She was Gadget. She was on Ally McBeal. Her resume reads super long. So I thought it was really funny that she agreed to play this super weak character. It was the 80s. Yeah, 89. It was close. So this actually could have been one of her first things. Maybe. That's true. Maybe. But uh, I'm happy to say she went on to to greatness elsewhere. Anyway, so they survive this. They figure out where Maro is. Hikage finally goes to face him. And they have this big one-on-one fight where Maro... Combines with the Lord of the Sea. Yeah, the Lord of the Sea is reincarnated or whatever, or his... The name is actually one letter different, so I think it's his successor. Okay. Either way, it's still this gorgeous horse that oh, yeah. I kind of oh, wish was a unicorn. Back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight you and stuff, and it's going to happen. But before that happens, when he first shows up, Maru is there, and Hakage is like, let's fight, let's do this. And Maru is the Yoma lord of the land, so he's causing all this earthquakes and fissures and columns and stuff. When they finally meet, he's basically like, don't you, you just, you're here for one reason, right? You just want to know why I threw that star at you. And Hakage is like, why'd you do it? We were, we were so close, man. You know, I mean, the, the bromance between these two is intense. It is really intense. It's my favorite part, I besides to, the horse. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Like, it's really cool. He's like, because I didn't want to kill you. I wanted to kill everybody else, but I didn't want to kill you. So I threw the shuriken at you. But I missed. On purpose. Yes. Because I wanted to wake you up. I am now a Yoma. I've shed my frail humanity. I don't have to follow the rules anymore. As a ninja, I I followed the rules and it was lame. Now, I don't have to do that anymore. I want you to join me. Come be a Yoma. And then it's kind of weird. You can't really tell if it's romance or if it's some mystical spell or something. But Hikage's into it. He's like, yeah, man. Yeah, I've been wanting to be with you. Yeah. You know? Yes. And there's this beautiful moment where uh, Mato has Hikage in his arms and he's got his, like, Yoma claws out. And you don't know whether he's going to kill Hikage or if he's actually going to turn him into a Yoma. Hikage's in this kind of not quite trance-like but almost very out of its state. And you're right. It's unclear. He could either be about to kill him. Or uh, what I have seen in other anime, like Vampire Princess Miyu, OVA, 
you prick it on the back of a person's neck. That like triggers the transformation. So it's unclear what the intentions are. But again, that this whole series has moments like that constantly. Could be good, could be bad, could be cool, could be terrible. I don't know. But as a result, Aya shows up, the new Aya shows up, and she's, ah, no, Hikage. And for some reason, her crying out for him breaks the spell. So you have the two men, the bromance being broken by the, wo- the, by the woman. The bromance is not as strong as the romance, which makes me very sad. It was interesting, especially because how long has he known this girl? He didn't even Three really days. seem that into her, right? But I guess it was enough. I guess the female was enough. And uh, we can definitely talk more about that in Berserk, which I'm definitely going to do. It's a, it's a manime of the ages. Anyway, I love it. Uh, you're giving me you're giving me faces, but you'll see. You'll see the genius of it. Hey, if you cover Berserk, I want to cover Claymore. Fair enough. I love Claymore. I Claymore think it's a I think it's a female Berserk. We'll we'll talk about it anyway. Except uh, it makes more sense. We'll get into it because I think you maybe maybe you just misunderstand. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. We'll we'll talk about it. So she breaks his spell. Basically, Maru is like, well, if you're not going to join me, then I, then I have to kill you. So then they have a big fight. Surprise, Hikage wins. Yeah. <laughs> but at the critical moment, Maru is, is like, if you are unwilling to shed your human form, then die in your weakness. And so this whole thing, of if you're going to play by the rules, if you're going to stay there, then you deserve to die. But Hikage is like, I... I'm not going to follow the rules. He actually says, I'm going to follow my own destiny. I'm not bound by rules or whatever. So that's his little victory. Followed then by his big victory. Right. Followed by his big victory and the realization that his clan has been wiped out. And so he has no home to go to. So he he's now a ronin and, or I guess a masterless ninja. I don't know what you would call that. I was going to say ronin's masterless samurai. Right. So he's very different. He's a masterless ninja. But he defeats Maru and then Maru reverts to his human form. And at that point, he's like, oh, Hikage. And Hikage's like, oh, Maru. And they have this moment where they almost hold hands or whatever, but then they both die because, you know, anime or pass out at least. And then he wakes up. It turns out Aya has saved him. Oh, and it's worth noting that when she went to go uh, save him fighting Maru, she was trampled by the horse. And the horse marked. Yeah, she was. <laughs> and her face was marked in a very, very similar fashion to the, the first Aya because of the horse hoof print. So anyway, she saves him. He wakes up in the cabin and he's like oh Aya did you carry me here and she won't show her face to him and then she turns around and he sees it and she's like don't hate me and she starts crying because she feels she's not pretty enough for him man, man, woman. Manime, manime. but what she doesn't realize which I thought was a nice twist was the scar actually completes it for him he's like oh you're Aya you have the same scar you look exactly like her like mm, this is great so he goes and he's like I'm madly in love with you now and they live happily ever after. Well, they wander the countryside and find a baby, which it's very strongly implied. Implied that this baby is the reincarnation of, of Maro. Maro in a human in form. In human form. Because, because go ahead. Uh, they, they do mention that in the fight, or after the fight, one of the Yoma say that Maro wanted to be human this entire time. Whoa. It was very similar to that. Or at least that's what I got out of it. Maybe. I don't remember that part, but I do remember that the woman who possessed the snake after Maru died. Oh, maybe it was her. Yeah. She comes back and says that Maru really wanted to be human and he should, he's going to take her life force. Yeah. And use it to live again as a human. Yeah. She's like, I love you still. Take my life force and be born again as a human. Right. And, and he's dead, so he doesn't say anything. But right. she, but she and gives it to him. 
this is the thing. The woman gives everything to the man. The, the beautiful woman gives everything to the man. Time I'd, and time again. I'm very disappointed in that aspect. I was very disappointed. I mean, beautiful sentiment. Definitely beautiful sentiment. But I, you know. But I, a very manime sentiment. Manime. Absolutely. And I, you know, that's that's my only regret. Or my only, um, regret's too strong a word. My only. Um, grievance. Grievance is a good word. Thank you. So it's very, very strongly implied that this ugly baby. <laughs> I, I just have to make note that this baby is ugly. Well, it's literally just been born. It's literally just been born. But this baby is ugly. Yeah. To, to clarify, they find this woman on the side of the road who died essentially giving birth to this child. And and it's so it's it's implied that this child is now human motto. Right. And and then they wander off. And Aya picks him up and is like, it's our baby now. So the implication is they are a family, sort of. Kind so of. yeah, I don't know. And it leaves it leaves on a one liner of uh oh it's Maro saying to Hikage, being a human is so boring. Yes. And that's it. That's the end. Yeah. I enjoyed watching it. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. I can appreciate that. I actually enjoy watching it every once in a while. I've watched it quite a bit, mostly the first episode. I think it was beautiful, but I was not the biggest fan of the plot. Well, I love the plot of the first episode right. so the, much well, so that I... Well, the first episode I, is, is great and creepy and everything else. Yeah, and I, yeah. Besides my own thing against spiders, sure, sure. It, was, it was definitely fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. The second episode, it was decent, and then I told you, it went off the rails, and I couldn't get around it. But the so. first episode is great. I highly recommend people check it out. I think the art's decent. I think the sound design is great. The Fair. direction is great. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate it? Man, that's a tough one. I'm going to give it 8. 8? Go in 8. If I have to break it down, I would say 8 for the first episode and 4 for the second one. So, uh, so maybe, really more maybe like five. a 6. Oh, if you... If Overall. 6.5. All right, 6.5. Sounds good. What about you? You're not going to recommend it? I would recommend it to anyone who wants to kind of get a better idea of classic anime. Mm -hmm. It's short enough that I don't think it's that big of a waste of time. No, it's 80 minutes. Um, It's only two episodes, and the first episode is pretty good. So I'd probably say around a six. All right. So Um, as as a female... No. 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 But no. as a male, here I am, manime. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give it eight. I'm, I'm going eight. All right. All right. Fair so. enough. I, but I, it's not a 10 because it has some serious plot issues. Yeah. It, it takes a lot for me to rate an anime at a 10. I agree. I, so. It's very rare. I can only think All right. I will. I'll go back. I'll go back. 6.5 because eight for the first episode, but the second one just drag it down, man. Yeah. Yeah. Although the horse was pretty. I love the horse. The horse was great. All right. All right, cool. Well, this has been a successful episode of yes. Anime Attic. Thanks for tuning in to Anime Attic, recorded live in Meltdown Studios. Come on down, check us out, 7522 Sunset Boulevard. We have all the manga that you could possibly want, comics and collectibles and stuff, so big ups there. And also check in us out for next week where we'll do more anime reviews of anime from your attic, which is old and dusty and no one remembers anymore. But hey, we're looking forward to it. But it's still good. It's so good. All right, well, thanks. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.